Rugby, good afternoon. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Listen, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, I just wanted to start really to find out how you got here to where you are now as, as um, obviously uh, Head of Talent Acquisition at Arbor. So um, from leaving education to now, can you give everyone a, a brief history of, of um, the roles you've had in recruitment, um, what you've learned from those experiences? Because I know you've sort of interchanged between agency side and internally as well, uh, which is great because obviously I'm sure that gives you a breadth of, of it from both sides of the fence. But can you give us an overview of how you sort of came from from leaving education to, to where you are now at Arbor? Yeah, definitely. It's been um, it's been a journey. Um, quite a few roles in there, definitely. So I won't dive into kind of all of them. But I left school, um, did college for one year, and just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think it's quite difficult to decide what you want to do when you're 16, 17 years old. Um, so just kind of got a job in retail, really. Um, got a Christmas job first of all, and just much enjoyed being in the workplace, kind of earning money than. Um, you know, going through university and things like that when I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So like a lot of people in recruitment, fell into it um, yeah. fell into kind of like a recruitment administration role, first of all. Um, and it was for kind of door-to-door salespeople. So quite high volume and um, lots of phone calls, lots of candidates. As you can imagine, quite a lot of turnover and quite a lot of churn <laughs> as well. Um, but really, really interesting. And I just love the fast-paced kind of industry. I love being able to speak to people, you know, 50 plus people on a daily basis, interviewing them, getting them jobs. And um, yeah, just that um, that nice feeling of getting someone a job um, kind of just always stuck with me. I then got a job in, in customer service for a, a gap year company. Um, a little bit of a, a sidestep, I suppose, but I was speaking to people going traveling to Asia or Australia. Um, I was probably there for like a year and a half, maybe, and I, I got the bug. I was sick of speaking to people and, and telling them what backpack to buy, and I thought I need to go do this myself. So that was when I was 23, um, headed over to Australia and um, did three months traveling, no work at all, just living in the sunshine, doing the East Coast. Um, and then in a, I ended up going to Hayes Recruitment, which is obviously a global company, yeah. and just wanted to sign up for some admin work or PA work just to get some money come in. And they said, actually, we've got a resourcer role here at Hayes. Um, so I had three months with them um, due to like you know visa restrictions. You can't stay much longer than that. But um, really loved my time with them. It was really social. <clears throat> and especially when you don't really know anyone and you're kind of traveling on your own, it was really nice to hit Sydney, have a job, and then, you know, you're going out for drinks on a Friday and meeting people. And that was completely different recruitment for me as well. It was um, quite high level senior marketing people within Sydney, which I didn't even really know Sydney that well very much. Um, so yeah, a lot of quick learning, um, which I really, really enjoyed. And, and again, just kind of learning the way that Hayes do things. I've obviously got very good training programs in place and things like this. And it was very much, you know, ringing the bell when you've got three placements um, and that kind of thing. So I really enjoyed my time there and then had my first taste of internal recruitment right. with um, Hilti Australia. So they do um, kind of, I suppose, like the Louis Vuitton of construction tools. Um, okay. So quite high-end bespoke um, construction tools. Again, another global company that are very well known for their diversity and inclusion, for uh, just having really great kind of training placements and um, putting people in a potentially kind of sales or customer service roles and moving them all over the company company not just in Australia but kind of moving them overseas and things as well so they had really really good graduate programs and things like that as well so that was my first taste of candidates coming to me and saying I want to work for Hilti which was a really nice feeling um, which I think kind of gave me the bug then to 
be a part of something that was really, really passionate about and really think about the companies that I was going forward for then. Yeah. Um, then did a little bit more traveling after, went to Bali and New Zealand and, and then had to come back home. Um, so I had to look at my options, I suppose, when I landed in uh, snowy England in March. <laughs> at that time it was still snowing. Um, I ended up in an agency, but that had really, really great reviews and again had amazing kind of culture internally um, had kind of I suppose a candidate resource position but it was more like partnering with candidates um, rather than just you know phoning 50 people a day it was more about that relationship building um, and finding out exactly what they wanted and then kind of hunting for it from there um, and how I ended up at Arbor was that Arbor was actually a client of ours um, so I'd always loved recruiting for Arbor while I was at the agency. Um, had always loved working with um, kind of the, the head of people at that time and being able to speak to candidates about Arbor and their vision and their mission and how passionate they were about what they, what they did. Um, so then when a role came up internally with them, it just it was kind of a no-brainer really to, to make that move. And yeah, I got the job and I'm here now a year later. It's, it was just 12 months, about a week ago. Um, yeah, it's been a, a, good, a good 12 months and I've, I think I've recruited now in every single team. Um, so we've got three different offices, Leeds, London and Belgrade in Serbia. And yeah, I've uh, recruited in pretty much every team now since I've been here and um, had, had the chance to work with all of the different hiring managers. Um, and it was really nice, actually, just before COVID hit, um, we, we all got to get together in Berlin, I think it was February, um, which was really nice to get everyone together kind of before all of this hit. We didn't really know what was going to happen. So um, I'm glad we got that in there before that happened. But yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> Definitely. And, and You've settled in Leeds now, so you've done Australia, you've done Bali, you've done New Zealand, Leeds. Yeah, why not? It's the obvious <laughs> choice. I'm born and bred. <laughs> so you're, you're head of talent acquisition at Arbor, obviously. What, talent acquisition manager, yeah. Talent acquisition manager. And what, what, what's, what's your role involved? I mean, it, it's self-explanatory, I know, in the title, but just to give us an insight as to how talent acquisition works at Arbor, uh, the, the setup, the team, the diversity in terms of across the various positions and the divisions within the company. What's, what's your sort of day-to-day -day role look like? Yeah, so talent acquisition, it was, it was definitely a learning curve for me coming in. It was probably a step up for me in terms of what I'd done beforehand. And I love the fact that Arbor does give that chance to people that, you know, they've got the right drive, the right motivation. If they, even if, you know, they haven't necessarily ticked everything on, on the advert or the job description, they give people that kind of chance. Um, so yeah, it was a lot to learn in my first three to six months. Um, a lot of roles I've never recruited for before. So I'm doing everything from customer service to sales, um, Engineering is a new one that obviously we've spoken about previously. Um, so that was a big learning curve again, just learning the tech industry and all of the jargon and the lingo that comes with that um, to head off positions. So my manager, Alicia, has actually just gone on maternity leave. And uh, so we had to recruit, obviously, head of people. We had a chief technology officer, head of product. So those senior kind of board level people as well um, within the role. But yeah, I suppose it's it's... It's a bit of a split depending on how busy the recruitment is, but there's a lot of stuff to, um, around the branding as well. Um, so making sure that we're getting our name out there, people know who Arbor are, people know, you know that we're in Leeds for these different types of roles that we've got available, doing things like this with the podcast. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of branding work on, on that as well. Um, looking at different platforms to be advertising on. There's obviously a lot that's going on with DNI at the moment as well. So looking at different partnerships that we can make with that. 
obviously looking at potential agencies if we do need to work with an agency but not just kind of putting it out there and, and kind of speaking to anyone I like to do my research before that as well um little blogs and things together I'm quite active on LinkedIn you've probably seen on there yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I can post quite a lot in a week um so just you know welcoming our new starters etc but I suppose the recruitment process and, and my role in the people team is obviously that sourcing of, of candidates, getting the adverts out there, making sure that it's it's branded quite nicely on the website, but also taking them through that interview process. I obviously have like a HR screen with them and they have interviews with, with the hiring managers, but just making sure that they've got all the necessary information through that. That's one of my passions, I think, is the candidate experience is really, really important for me. As I've just mentioned there, I've had quite a few jobs, so I've been a candidate myself quite a lot, and I have had, you know, some really bad experiences myself, so I just want to make sure that whether you're offered a job or not, whether you get to second stage or not, that you've kind of enjoyed that process as, as much as you can enjoy an interview process um, as much as possible, and we do get really, really good feedback for that. So, um, yeah, obviously bringing down time to hire and those normal targets and OKRs um, obviously come into play as well, but I think yeah, working really closely with the hiring managers, we've brought out a brand new um, applicant tracking system in January, so kind of rolling out that to the company as well. Um, I just did an unconscious bias training, uh, say training awareness last week as well. So just kind of knowledge sharing with the rest of the company as well. Um, the knowledge that I suppose I didn't really know was in there, but when you start looking at things, like, oh, I did know that. And you don't realise that other people don't. So yeah, just sharing that as much as possible across the, the company as well. Definitely. Well, you, you certainly seem to have attacked the role head on. It, it, it yeah. seems like a steep learning curve to start with and you, you seem to have done that. Did you coin the phrase arbiversary? Is that you? Uh, I think probably people said it beforehand, <laughs> but yeah, I've definitely taken and running with it. And we've just made a little um, infographic actually because I'm having to just Google happy anniversary all the time and trying to get new images. We've now got an Arbor one specifically right, okay. um, I can start using. But yeah, we've, I think there's a lot coming up in August as well. Um, so you'll see that on LinkedIn, don't worry. <laughs> no, no, well, this, yeah, I mean, this is one of the things, I mean, you are, we are going to cover, you know, how you recruit and, and all the rest of it. But one of the things you are is you are very visible in LinkedIn, which is something obviously we try to do as well. Um, and because of that visibility, I think a lot of people out there will already know this, but can you just give us an overview of who Arbor are, who Arbor Education are, what they do, the markets they work in, um, and, and give us a little bit about the company? Of course, yeah. So it's a, an edtech company, which is a term I'd never heard of before I kind of started working with them when I, when, while I was at the agency. Um, so I suppose it's quite a niche market. Um, the, the technology or the software or the product that we've got is a management information system that we um, provide to schools in England. Um, so there's three kind of main products. We've got an insight product, which is like a benchmarking tool. We've got uh, the management information system, which is the main product. And then we've also got a group management information system for more of your multi-academy trust, kind of the, the big um, trusts and academies that you can see popping up all over the country. Yeah. It's basically for schools to have all of their data in one place. It makes it easier for them to find their information, easier for them to kind of pull that information from the system and see it correlated against each other. Um, it's, it's nice, it's nice UX, it's easy for them to click around, it's not too you know, click heavy having to go into loads of different screens to get to where you want to be. Yeah. Um, you can kind of customise your dashboards and things like this as well when you log in. It's also cloud-based, so that's been really useful while people have had to work from home or work flexibly or from other schools wherever they've, wherever they've had to go during COVID. 
Um, and yeah, we've um, we just actually won as well. Uh, two weeks ago, we won the bid and the tender for United Learning, which is the largest multi-academy trust in the country, which is a massive thing for us. Um, so we definitely celebrated on that Friday afternoon, which is amazing. Um, so we do cover primary schools, secondary schools, and obviously multi-academy trust. That's going to be able to, you know, that's really going to help us open doors going forward now that we've won United Learning, which was um, fantastic. But just making teachers' lives easier. But not just teachers either, you know, administrators, office managers, people in the back office, head teachers, even like finance directors, if they want to look at budgets or student numbers or whatever it may be, they can access this, all of this information um, really easy. Um, just giving them more time to spend with the students rather than in front of a computer on Excel, which, as you can imagine, remembering being back at school, teachers don't like technology that much. Um, but also, I suppose what we try and do is when they choose Arbor and they have to kind of move over from their existing MIS, you just make that transition as smooth as possible as well. It's not just kind of changing an app on your phone, you know, it's a big transformation for them. And um, so just, you know, holding their hand as, as much as possible throughout that. Um, with all of our training, we've got a lot of ex-teachers in the sales team and the training team that really understand what the challenges are in a school. It's not just kind of selling a piece of technology, it's understanding what their job roles are and what they might come up against on a day-to-day -day basis. How can Arbor actually practically help you rather than just saying, oh, we can do all of this fancy reporting. You know, what can we actually use it for on a day-to-day -day basis? So, um, yeah, invaluable knowledge from those ex-teachers as well. Definitely. And is it a national or an international um, basis, this? Are Arbor based across the world? Because obviously I predominantly, through my work with you, know about the Leeds-based operation. But um, yeah. how, is, how, is, how big is the company? Is it, is it spread over multiple locations? Yeah, so we've got three different offices. We only work with schools in England, but the actual company itself, we've got Leeds, London and Belgrade in Serbia. So Belgrade is where a lot of our existing kind of developers um, and engineers are out there. We've probably got between 25 and 30 guys out there. Right. We've also got two people in the people team out there as well. So we're spread across all three offices. Um, the London office has got our marketing team, product team, a lot of the senior management that sit down there as well. We've got, again, two of the people team down there and finance. And then the Leeds office is like the commercial office. It's definitely the loudest office, um, also the biggest one. Um, so we've probably got about 40 people. Um, in the Leeds office, so we've got like customer service, first line, second line, project management, implementation, the trainers pop in and out as well. So they're the guys helping the schools get implemented. And then we've got sales and account management as well. We're also building this engineering team that obviously I've spoken to you about before. So we've got four people who will be in the Leeds office when we go back. Um, I've actually not met three of them so far, um, which will be nice when I get to meet them. But we've also just moved our Leeds offices as well. So we've just moved to Millennium Square, the old school building. Um, they're really gorgeous new offices for us to definitely grow further um, in there. 100%. We've got like a little bit of a a specific section for the engineering guys because we know that the customer team and the sales team can get quite quite loud and quite rowdy at times so they've got like their own little area um but that's obviously where i sit so yeah the, the five people in the people team we're spread across all three offices there i think we're about headcount i want to say about 117 at the moment right okay and obviously a certain pandemic pitched up in mid-march and and kind of turned the world upside down how how has that affected your part of the education sector and Arbor as a business? Yeah, we've definitely not been unaffected by it. Um, I think we've, we've dealt with it very, very well. I think as a, a SaaS business, as a tech business, we've been able to adapt quite quickly. We've been quite flexible. We've been able to work quite agile in the way that we've communicated to our customers. We've obviously had to check on government guidelines and 
get information from the Department for Education on, on what things are happening, um, you know, what's going to be happening with exams or assessments, when are schools actually allowed to go back. It was very, lots of question marks around that in March time, obviously. Um, still thinking about that for September now as well. Um, in terms of sales, we've actually hit our, our, a lot of our sales guys have hit our sales targets. We've been recruiting within our sales team, so still very healthy there. We've also just gone through a funding round that was really successful as well and um, we've not had to make anyone redundant or put anyone on furlough which is obviously really positive and um, to say that you know we can't say that we've been completely unaffected we've still had to look at budgets and just you know watch what we're kind of doing there but um yeah it, i mean we've we've you know we're still really really healthy and um, still doing really well sales wise and um, pipeline wise um, and also a lot of schools have now Found, seen a need I suppose for something cloud-based compared to some of the alternatives that are out there um, that they've potentially struggled with during COVID um, so they've you know been looking at these alternatives that are cloud-based and, and ARB is one of the you know one of the leading kind of options for them to look at so um, yeah had a lot of interest during that as well. Definitely and I, I speak to a lot of companies and, and clients who um, have almost by default because of the pandemic had to adopt new ways of working dare I say, more flexibility, et cetera, and, and have seen that it can work. You know, they, they wouldn't have done that previously, but they've yeah. seen that it can now work. And I think as a result, the one, one of the, the good things to come out of this, hopefully, is that greater flexibility uh, of working. Do you think that's something that Arbor have found, that you have found personally, that you can function from home, slightly more flexible, and it's something that may change the way the company works moving forward? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were quite flexible prior to this, in, in all fairness. I would usually work from home, maybe one or two days a week anyway. Um, yeah. A lot of the teams would have that flexibility for, you know, kind of two days a week working from home. There's there's always those days where you just want, you need to be at home and get your admin done and not have the noise behind you or people coming up to your desk and things like that. So I think we've always known that. Mm -hmm. um, I think where the flexibility is coming for us is that potentially we might be looking at some roles, maybe 100% remote. Yeah. We might also be looking at roles that, that would previously always be in the London team we might also look at leads for that as well because it doesn't necessarily mean you know you don't have to sit with your team 100% of the time we've now kind of realized that we've also onboarded um you know quite a few people I think 13 people um during lockdown that have done that the whole interview process and the whole onboarding completely remotely and never been in the office at all so does it really matter kind of where they are in the country? Um, so yeah, I think there's going to be additional flexibility, but I always thought, think we were quite good at it, uh, good at it anyway. Um, just taking people's lifestyles into account and things like that as well. You know, if someone's got a doctor's appointment or someone needs to get home early for the kids or whatever it may be, um, you know, life gets in the way of things sometimes. So um, I think they've always been very understanding about that as well. Definitely. And, and in terms of how you do recruitment, obviously I have, I have some insight on this, but, but others may not. What is the process? I mean, you're recruiting across multiple divisions, multiple skill sets within those divisions, I'm sure. Um, what is the process there in terms of how you take those roles out to market? I, I think from memory, as, as a lot of people are, you are trying to fill it directly first and then potentially look at, at other ways uh, secondary. Yeah, definitely. So I was actually like the first dedicated recruitment person or talent person that, that joined Arbor. So it would be part of the people team or the HR team prior to this, who I suppose would only be able to dip in and out of it when they had time to. They've obviously got so many other things that they need to do that when I was brought on board, I obviously wanted to... Um, to show off and not use any agencies ideally and um, you want to show your worth don't you um but then there are those 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 some particular roles that have just got 
that really, really special skill set that I just don't have that network for, um, or that we, you know, we need it quite urgently, um, and it's, it's going to be worth going out to agency for. But um, I suppose I, I, with me still being, I suppose, 12 months is still quite fresh, especially with a brand new role for me to work on. So I really like to, where possible, kind of shadow what that role looks like, um, whether it be customer service or sales or account management, whatever it may be, look at the systems they're using, look at the people that are already in that team, where did they come from, what kind of skill sets, you know, made them successful in that position. Um, but also where, where else can I look outside of the box a little bit as well um, and be a little bit creative with that. Um, so going out to market, I, I do a lot on LinkedIn, as we've already mentioned. Um, so a lot of sourcing on there. We've got a brand new kind of career site as well. With We work with Team Taylor for our applicant tracking system and for our career site, which has probably doubled our direct applications in all fairness. I think our old one just wasn't as user-friendly. I suppose we've got, we've been able to put blogs on and have like um a gallery and you can meet the team and things like that on on the careers page now it's a much nicer kind of application process for them as well um it also kind of automatically just goes out to your, your normal sites like cv library and indeed and facebook and things like that as well so we've got more traction across those and um, we do advertise on linkedin as well as well as me sourcing um, we're starting to get a lot more internal referrals as well for particular roles um, which is really really nice because people who are already here kind of understand the culture, understand the mission. And if they know someone that's got that kind of personality or that alignment to our values, that kind of is half the job already because that's something I can't see on a CV. Um, so that's really, really useful for us. And I think as well with, with the branding work that I've been doing, I'm getting a lot more people just coming to more speculatively, especially in kind of the sales um, area and sales industry. Um, people wanting to work for Arbor, people hearing good things about us in the market, um, people from other ed tech companies, uh, you know, just being enjoy just being interested in what we're doing and having just more casual conversations until kind of roles come up. But keeping those conversations going um, can be difficult sometimes. So you can, you know, it's very easy to forget somebody you spoke two, three months ago. Um, but again, it's you know the the, the system that, they, that we're using is really really useful for that. So there's lots of different avenues, and it's it's completely different for every role, I believe. Um, I think for two senior sales roles that we just recruited for, I did no sourcing whatsoever. It was all direct applications, but then come to engineering, different ball game. Um, so you have to, yeah, you have to take it with every role on, on what your plan of action is going to be. Um, but the reporting again on, on the ATS is really good that I can look back and think, right, so this is where I've got all of my engineering people from. Now I know what kind of avenues I need to go down when we get a new engineering role, for example. Um, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's lots of different avenues. I mean, I just I suppose when people apply, I try to speak to as many people as possible because I don't like to judge CVs too much. Um, but then that can be very time consuming when um, obviously when something like this happens, there's a lot of people looking for jobs. Um, the the actual direct application rate has gone through the roof. In all fairness, um, but yeah, trying to get to back to as many people as possible on that as well. So so basically, everything you're doing is to put people like me out of business. <laughs> well, it's obviously, you, your expertise. <laughs> <laughs> I was efficient. It's fine. One of the things that, that I find or have found with working with you guys, and I'm sure um, it's the same when you don't come out to people like me, is the connection between yourself in talent acquisition and the hiring manager is exceptional. You're one of the few clients I've ever dealt with who has insisted that we speak to the hiring manager on a conference call before we even start work, which is which is great. How I'm a big believer that that really really helps the process when you're buying like that from the hiring managers. How 
um, attentive are they to the process? How on board are they with, with what you're trying to achieve? I think for the first kind of six months, it was a little bit different with me coming on board and, you know, looking at what we used to do and it not being necessarily scrappy, but it definitely needed some more consistency to it. So me putting new things on in, in place, um, obviously there's always going to be a little bit of um, reluctance to more admin or um, a change in, in a process and things like that. But I think them seeing how quickly we can get things done if we've got a process in place, um, you know, it's, it kind of speaks for itself really when the recruitment goes as smoothly as it, as it has done recently, and yeah. um, such would, um, that, you know, you, you don't really have to explain yourself too much. If I can say, you know, I'm putting X, Y, Z in place, as long as I'm letting them know why, I don't want people to be spending hours and hours writing up notes or, you know, spending too long on a job description when we can go through it together and make it easier. I want to make sure that it's as efficient as possible, but that I've got everything that I need beforehand as well. Because I hate getting to first stage interviews and then it's like, yeah, I'd love to bring all of these in for second interview, but we don't have a task ready or I'm on holiday or we don't have any uh, availability because it's GCSE results day. So thinking about all of those things beforehand to have like a really clear kind of timeline, I think, is, is really important. But for me, just even from the get go, just understanding the role. Yeah. And I think when I was doing these engineering roles and setting up calls with, with agencies, even just me listening in the background to the way that Damien explains it or any hiring manager explains it, um, is, is just so useful for me as well to actually learn more about the role and where it's going to sit. And you're probably going to ask questions that I would never even think of because I've not really done tech recruitment before. So that's really useful for me as well as, I think, you know, any hiring manager needs to have that good relationship with, with an agency as well because, you know, I might not be there one day or I think you've just got to have trust that they are going to be sending the right people through as well because, it's, it's a waste of everyone's time if you're not getting it right. And it's a waste of the candidate's time, the agency's time, my time, as well as the hiring managers. Um, so I think everyone needs to be on the same page because I could think that I'm, I know what I'm looking for. And then, you know, the hiring manager could say something completely different. So I think everyone just needs to be on the same page, really. Definitely. And it's an understanding, isn't it? Because whilst my job is to recruit for people like yourself and it's your job to recruit internally for Arbor, it's not Damien's job, is it? It's, it's ultimately not, you know, I mean, it might be one line in his responsibilities somewhere, but it's definitely not his core job. And I, I think the balance that, that I found from my experience with you guys is, is Damien, who I, I've obviously dealt with, has an appreciation that by putting in some time initially, it will save an awful lot of time in the long run because That's we'll get the right people quicker. And, yeah. and, you know, recruitment's a bit like toothache sometimes. The longer you leave it, the more painful it becomes because yeah. the best chance to fill a role is probably in the first two, three, four weeks of it being released. Um, and, and, yeah, so so I guess one of the challenges when I speak to people like yourself who come into a business and, by the sound of it, are trying to, trying to change things and bring in new processes, as you clearly are, is getting those guys to, to buy into that. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. But I think... Um, you know what you say that it's, it's definitely going to be so much better in the long run because I think one big thing that we learned as well is you can't keep candidates waiting in this market either um, so we've got burnt a couple of times with that so now just making sure yeah as you say you know we've got everything in place even before the role goes live sometimes um, yeah is, is, is essential really because good candidates will get snapped up you know super quickly. Well, you hit the nail on the head um, five or ten minutes ago when you talked about candidate experience. I mean, you guys on the technical, I can only speak on the technical side, which is obviously the side that we get involved in and, and try and help you guys with. Your recruiting roles that are not uncommon. Um, yeah. 
from a technical perspective, um, you know, some of the stuff on the front end development side of PHP, et cetera, um, and in Leeds, which is just thriving as a tech market, isn't it? You know, I mean, we could all probably list 20 companies who look for similar skills. So how much emphasis do you place on that? Because I have a big, a big thing about candidate experience and companies who don't appreciate it and understand that in this case, a developer who may not be quite right for Arbor now will be in 12 months, will be in 24 months. And it's a very, with LinkedIn, it's, it's a very incestuous market. Every, like you, everyone knows everyone. Um, yeah. How much emphasis do you place on that? And how much do you sort of try and get that across to the hiring managers that it's important to give feedback, good or bad, uh, in a timely way and in a way which leaves a good impression of the business? Yeah, it's, it's massive for me. I think feedback is one of the biggest things. It's, it's there first. It, it's not just the feedback, but I suppose initially them just even speaking to me or speak, you know, their first interview via an agency, it's their first impression of that company. Um, and, you know, that could be a really good impression or a bad one and they will remember. And they, as you say, it's so everyone knows each other that if it's a good impression, they'll talk to other people about it. If it's a bad impression, they'll do exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but feedback for me is such a huge thing. And I, you know, sometimes I'll just get two words in my notes and that's not good enough for me. I need to know, you know, what, what did they do well, but also what could they have, you know, done better? Not necessarily just in the interview. Why weren't they a good fit for us? But also, is there any tips you can give them for future interviews as well? Because yeah. I think that's just invaluable kind of, um, you know, feedback for them. It's not something that I could necessarily give them just from a phone call. Maybe not you either, you know, just kind of your, you do your kind of first initial screen um, and qualification. But actually, you know, they're meeting a company um, face to face or via video at the moment. Um, you know, making sure that you can give them that feedback to go away with. And as you say, if they're not completely right for us now, maybe they were too junior or um, not in the right location or whatever it may be. You know, 12 months down the line if they move back to Leeds or they you know they've got another 12 months under their belt who are they going to get in touch with that you know there's going to be companies that will that will stick in their mind for the right reasons and, and the wrong ones definitely moving specifically on to the recruitment thing one of the things I'm trying to do with these podcasts is people like yourself who are you know sat there recruiting these roles day in day out in Leeds um, who has got experience on both sides of the fence you've worked internally uh, and, and obviously that's the direction you've chosen to go in longer term but you've also sat where I'm sat in terms of you know trying to trying to get involved with clients trying to work with clients like you are now yeah what have you seen in the the 12 months now that you've been there from recruiters that has made you sort of understand a little bit more about dare I say the, the attitude towards the recruitment industry specifically the external recruitment industry what have you seen that from you know a multitude of calls and emails and pitches and, and what advice would you give to recruiters who are probably struggling at the moment I know no one has any sympathy for external yeah. recruiters but you know a lot are coming back into the office now a lot they're all going to be going after you know the same companies you know people like Arbor and these sorts of clients who they see advertising what advice would you kind of give to these um, these recruiters who would maybe want to work with Arbor longer term and, and how to go about trying to break down those walls and, and stand out from the crowd from what you've seen in your 12 months? I, I think, you know, come at a company or a business like you would with a candidate, kind of do your research and make sure that you're, that you're speaking to them about the right things. Yeah. Um, I've had, so, as you can probably imagine, so many automatic emails recently, say, and I had one recently saying, we can help you with XYZ role that literally said on the end of it, internal applicants only. Well, you can't help me with that, can you? <laughs> so, um, you know, just making sure that things are a little bit personalised. Um, the kind of, I suppose, the way that our sales guys go after our schools, they're 
researching them, have a look on the website. Is there any companies that you've worked with before? Have you got any um, kind of good stories that you can be telling? Um, you know, have you got a candidate ready already? Potentially, would that get you through the door? I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, looking at the website, what jobs are currently on at the moment, don't just send me a .NET developer when you don't know what our tech stack is. It's um, just, I think, just do that research because um, that builds a relationship first and foremost, and there is a lot of emails that come through, and I can imagine this is exactly the same for any kind of developer in Leeds. They must get 20 to 30 LinkedIn messages a day from recruiters. So how do you stand out from the crowd with a candidate is probably how you would do it for a business as well. Um, what value do you think you could add? I suppose it's a big one. Um, we're, not, we're not just working in education. We're also a tech company as well. So um, yeah, just those, you know, those, um, those stories that you have of any, have you done, done an assessment centre recently or have you, um, you know, filled with a really big company that's got exactly the same stack as us or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, kind of come at it at the same angle as you would with a candidate, I think is, is a good way. And I, I don't make it easy, easy for people to get through to me. I don't like have a direct number on the website or anything like that. If you get through to the customer team, they won't put you through to me. Right. Um, they literally can't, they can't actually transfer. But um, <laughs> So I don't make it easy for people. But when I suppose when we want to go out to agency, I'll speak to maybe three or four different agencies, set up those calls with the, the correct hiring manager or the person involved. And I'd kind of expect that agency to, you know, to have done their research really at that point um, and understand a little bit about what we do. But for us, it's not just about the experience either. It's really about people aligning to those values. So if you were to, you know, send me a CV with someone who's an ex-teacher or really passionate about education because of X, Y, Z, that kind of shows that you've looked at our values or you've looked at some of our people and, and you know, you know that we've got ex-teachers working for us. Um, yeah, just going, I suppose, going above and beyond. Um, and I think, you know, you've got a little bit of extra time on your hands at the moment. So um, you can't really say that you don't have time to be doing that either. Um, but yeah, building that relationship because I, again, candidates going through a good experience with an agency um, we'll go back to them or with a company we'll go back to them that's exactly the same for me if I have a really good experience with an agency I'm going to think of them first and foremost yeah. um, when I need to go back out to agency again and ultimately for someone like yourself who's spent so much time on the brand and the process and the professionalism and the candidate experience you need a recruiter who's going to extend that virtue because yeah. there's no point in you providing this feedback if, if it's not handled in the right way and passed on in the right way. And would, would you say that the fact you have worked on this side of the fence, do you, and I'm not asking for empathy or sympathy, do you think you empathise more with the role of an external recruiter more because you've been on that side of the fence? I think I do. I think rather than just kind of deleting every single message that comes through to me, I do have, you know, some sort of reply that, that goes through to people. Um, I do try and keep a track of people that have been in touch with us. I have a bit of an Excel sheet of really ridiculous emails that I've had. And um, yeah, I'm a little bit structured like that. Um, you know, and nice people that we've spoken to. Um, so yeah, I definitely do. I, def I, I understand kind of how difficult it can be, but I've also worked for external agencies that have done things right as well. So I also know that it can be done right. So I feel like there's not really much excuse to be doing it wrong, if that makes sense. No, um, I think I'm lucky, I'm lucky with the agencies that I've worked for before. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I, I do as well. I do my own research as well. So I'll look on Glassdoor, I'll look at reviews, I'll look at candidate testimonials that are on that, that site as well for that, that business um, or that, that recruiter. Um, you, can always have the, you can always see really good recommendations on people's LinkedIn profiles and things like that as well. Um, so I'll do my research before I go on to that call as well.
get my detective hat on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the things I always say to, to more junior, quote-unquote, recruiters is it's very easy to get upset and, and almost offended if Sophie from Arbor doesn't respond to my phone call or the email. But it's literally that you can't, isn't it? Because as I say yeah. to those guys, if, if someone like yourself responded to every single inquiry from a recruitment agency, you probably wouldn't do anything else, I don't think. No, exactly. Uh, and it's, it's definitely been, I'd say, maybe triple the amount during COVID. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, of, of messages coming through. So, but then I kind of, I empathise then with all of the really hot candidates that are out there at the moment as well. And I'm thinking, why are you not replying to my LinkedIn message? Yeah. And now I get it. <laughs> This is it. This is it. It's, it's a cyclical effect, isn't it? Not, we, yeah. we, we all don't respond to, to things that potentially at that time aren't of interest to us. But yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you've been recruiting through um, through the pandemic, haven't you? For Arba. How have you found it? Um, one of the interesting things I found is I, I assumed that, that the few roles that still remained would, would be snapped up. But I've also found that uncertainty um, as Brett has caused an awful lot of people to sort of stand pat with furloughing. If they're furloughed, they'd rather not um, rock the boat, potentially looking for another role. Um, obviously, um, there's more contractors available. I think that's fine, fair, fair to say at this point. Yeah. Uh, are they really looking for permanent or is it just yeah. a job? How, how have you found it? Have you found it any different from when you were recruiting sort of early part of the year, back end of last year? Yeah, definitely. There's, there's definitely been a lot more direct applications, especially for um, our business development role that we've just hired, um, two of our customer service roles. Um, I think that was more like March, April time. Um, I think what you said there is really find out people's motivations. Why have you applied for this role? Is it because you've been made redundant? Is it because you're furloughed and you're feeling a little bit unstable? Um, are you just doing your one-click apply to absolutely everything? So we've put some things in place, like we made a cover letter mandatory for our sales position, um, not just to kind of weed out people that can't be bothered doing it, but it's also a part of the job as well. So I suppose it's still relevant to the actual role itself, is kind of email writing or how you kind of lay out um, your wording. Um, so I think the volume coming through and not with customer service roles, it's really difficult to just say no to a CV. You have to start, you have to talk to people. So that was a lot of volume kind of calls that I was doing on my end. But the biggest thing for me was trying to find out the motivation of that person. Why have you applied to Arbor specifically? Um, you know, do you know much about us? Have you done your research as well? I keep talking about research. No. Um, you know, do you, is, do you align to our values? That kind of thing. Um, and I suppose, yeah, we've definitely had more, more people out there. There was, in fact, all of the interviews and things that we've had have been really, really good so far. There's been some really, really good candidates out there. Um, and keeping in touch with them again, I've had to kind of just make sure that I'm writing as many notes as possible when I'm speaking to these people for future positions as well. Hopefully they've kind of found something if they really needed something in the meantime, but it's always good to keep in touch with those people anyway, we've already kind of touched base. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's, it's been strange. And it's, I, I mean, I still see it happening now in all fairness. I think now furlough's kind of coming to an end. People are either finding out whether they're going to be going back to the office or, or whether they're not. Um, so still having quite a lot of people reaching out and you know asking about new roles um, as we go into what would be now our new academic year because we kind of correlate with the um, our financial year is the same as the academic year. So right. we do September to August. So we'll be looking at our headcount forecast and all of that kind of mid-August, um, which will be exciting to see what happens in September. Yeah, definitely. And, and sort of looking forward, I, I know it's very difficult for anyone at the moment to look forward, <laughs> but, but fingers crossed we are coming out of the other side of, of the pandemic and, and, and it doesn't return. What, what do the next three, three, six, 12 months look like there? 
yeah really difficult to say about 12 months isn't it because anything could change just next week but um we've started allowing people go, to go back to the office that are comfortable with that that are happy with that that don't necessarily have to get on public transport there's obviously some people that are you know they're just a little bit sick of being at home and what's a normality which is absolutely fine um so Leeds and London offices have been opened and um, kind of half opened two or three days a week and we've got like a maximum capacity of how many people can go in and um, just to make sure that it's all safe in there at the moment we've got all of your sanitization stations and the cleaners going in and things like that um i think it's been quite nice for um some of our smaller teams to kind of get together obviously at safe distance but kind of just look you know they've not seen each other in three months and just look at their new kpis as i said going into this new financial year for us now look at their new objectives their new targets etc um, i've been going in one day a week again just my sanity but We've obviously just moved offices as well, so going in for some deliveries and um, getting all of the exciting new artwork and plants into the office. Um, so it'll be really nice to see everyone when we actually get in. I think we've hired 13 new people that I've not met now. Um, so it'll be really lovely to actually get them in the office and actually say hello face to face. Um, moving forward, again, it's really, we don't, we don't want to put any pressure on anyone to go back that doesn't feel comfortable getting on public transport or there's still, you know, vulnerable people that aren't kind of allowed to be going into offices and things like that. So it's really about playing it by ear and just checking those government guidelines. I think um, we've, yeah, we've probably got between like five and 10 people that are allowed to go in at any time. Um, that may increase over the next coming weeks. We're kind of looking at it on a monthly basis in all fairness, but yeah, we just don't want anyone to be pressured to go back in. We know that we can work remotely. We're a tech company, so we've embraced the technology around us. Everyone's been set up quite comfortably at home. Um, anyone that's got an office space, they've been sent like a desk and chair and everything like that. Um, just making sure that, because we don't want people, you know, sitting on their beds either and getting really bad backs doing that 24 seven. Um, so just making sure that people are really comfortable at home as well. Definitely. So uh, as we sit here now, obviously, um just to shoot myself in the foot at the moment, but what are you looking for at the moment? If there's people in Leeds who potentially are keeping an eye on Arbor, looking out for opportunities, what sort of people do you want to see? Where can they see all these details of your jobs, apart from the IT ones? Um, but, but how do they go about sort of getting in contact with Arbor about potential opportunities now in the future and what sort of backgrounds are you, are you ideally looking for? Yeah, so I'm more than happy to have like speculative chats, as I've mentioned before, about roles that are coming up in the future anyway. So anyone that's kind of interested in what Arbor does or just wants a little bit more of a conversation, I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, but I'm sure you can put like my details on this anyway. Yeah. Um, what's currently live and active at the moment, we do have a QA engineer. Um, that's quite an exciting one actually with it being it's going to be our first QA um so someone that is excited by establishing a function um kind of from the ground up um which will be yeah it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea but it's definitely going to be an exciting opportunity for the right person I think I might um, overdub looking... this because I don't want you to fill that directly so I might... <laughs> I'll overdub that with, with, with something else but yeah um, and management accountant um, so my first finance role that I've worked on um, new headcount just due to the growth of the company um, London all leads on that I think I mentioned you know we're not always now set on it being necessarily in one office um, so we are we are open to leads and London on that one either ACCA or SEMA qualified um, which I've really enjoyed actually I really enjoyed speaking to people about that because I'm not a finance person myself so um, learning a little bit more about why people wanted to get into finance and things like that has been really interesting conversations to have uh, and we've just got another internal role at the moment so we've also had three internal promotions during COVID as well which has been lovely. And I, I ask this of everyone but, but the, the floor is yours why, why join Arbor? Why would a management account, a QA engineer, a developer in the future, you yourself, 
why did you join Arvo and why, why should they? I think there's two main things for me. I think you feel like you're making a difference um, no matter what team you're in. I'm obviously not client facing. I don't speak to schools. I don't speak to teachers, but we have so much internal communication about all of the lovely feedback that we get from schools. Um, no matter if you know back-end engineer or if you're doing marketing, whatever you're doing, you, you feel like you're a part of something and you were a part of that difference that's been made. Um, so that's probably you know part number one. It's, it's definitely a tech for good company. Um, and then the second would be the people. We actually do welcoming interviews and retention interviews so when you've been here a month um, you, one of the HR officers will um, do a little welcome interview with you just to see how things are going really and one of the questions is you know what have you enjoyed so you know so far what have you enjoyed the most and probably 90% of the responses to people um, everyone's just so hard working the teamwork everyone's working towards the same kind of vision um, no matter whether you're in the customer team or sales you, know, you can ask anyone a question um, it's very very social people just kind of get on with things also when we obviously have peaks and troughs with the academic year, so September is absolutely mental for us, so I can't necessarily jump on the phones, I don't know the answers to questions, but I'll be the tea lady, I'll get biscuits in. Um, so it's really about just making it, everyone, it, the team vibe and um, yeah, how everyone just kind of gets on and we're all working towards that same mission. Everyone's kind of aligned that way, um, which I think I suppose comes during the recruitment process. We do have questions around our values, etc. But yeah, it's, it's really important to us and yeah, everyone is on is on the same page really with, with what we're doing. Um, and it's that good mix as well of, you know, we're doing good in the public sector, but also we're a tech company. So it's really fast paced as well and really exciting. Yeah, definitely. And I think people people take a role predominantly on the job, don't they? But they stay in it predominantly because of the company. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe a little simplistic, but there's a lot to be said for, you know, once people walk through the doors, it's the company that kind of makes them stay so culture-wise it's very important and I also from your perspective guess that it's felt the sector's fairly rewarding because you're in the education sector and you can actually make a difference in something which you know really really matters. Yeah 100% I think a lot of people as I mentioned we've got some ex-teachers I and then other people have got teachers in their family I think you find if you've got one teacher in your family you've usually got about seven somewhere um, and they all learn about admin so the fact that you can kind of go home and tell your mum that you're you know you work for Arbor and they'll have a look at it and they think oh that's amazing um you know I've just got friends maybe that are teachers or not even necessarily you know have teachers in your family but you know that you're doing something that education this is you know children that are then going to go be going into the workforce and can we make their student outcomes um even better kind of going forward um it's definitely very rewarding yeah as cheesy as it sounds it is <laughs> listen i have i i'll be 100 percent honest i've been obviously doing this a long time until i was going to say 12 months ago which i know mirrors your time there so that may sound really cheesy but You've really put Arvo on the map. You know, you're all over LinkedIn, which I'm guessing is something you advocate for, for other people within internal recruitment as well. But yeah. promoting the brand and, and, you know, you don't need, without giving you too much lip service here, you don't need <laughs> to put people's Arboversaries on there. You know, it, it doesn't achieve yeah. anything other than a, a sense of belonging for those, those employees, does it? It's, it's stuff that you don't need to do, but, but you want to do to promote the brand, promote its values and the culture there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, just those little things. I think people get brownies sent out for their birthdays and things, which I've not had yet. Um, I'm oh. waiting for those brownies to be coming through. Um, but yeah, just little things like that. It kind of makes you feel... Pardon? Is that a reminder? A nudge? <laughs> I was in January, so I was actually in the office. We've been doing brownies during COVID. But um, yeah, it's just little things that make people feel, I suppose, um, yeah, just that that you feel valued by by the management team and actually our employee MPS score at the moment is I think it's 85 which is just wow. astounding yeah. um I'm not sure we've I think this is like our all-time high and a lot of that has come from 
um, the feedback that we've had around the management team and James, the CEO, and how kind of open and transparent and honest we've been around the COVID situation. Because obviously, you know, people are feeling a little bit nervous around it. And a lot of people have said, you know, their families or friends or girlfriends or boyfriends are within companies that have been a little bit hush-hush about it. And, it, you know, you just need that little bit of reassurance. So, um, yeah, the, the MPS kind of internally has um, is, is really, really good at the moment, um, which obviously shows a lot from the management team. Again, it, it's not something they have to do, like, you know, my stuff with LinkedIn, but it's just, it seems so simple to me, but obviously not everyone is kind of doing it. Um, just that little bit of reassurance during these times, I think is invaluable, really. Definitely. Sophie, listen, it's been great speaking to you. I think it's been really interesting from a point of view of someone who has come into an internal recruitment role, has done 12 months, has has looked at revamping in time internal processes, who places a great emphasis on, on, on the candidate experience, promoting the brand, the networking, who... I mean, you're doing me out of a career, but, you know, <laughs> across all these multiple areas, which I can only, you know, in a world where everyone wants a specialist in this or a specialist in that, I get that for someone like yourself, I mean, I couldn't do it. I don't think I, you know, I've seen some of your roles and I wouldn't think twice about, about ringing you about sales roles or other areas because yeah. I simply don't have a network. I don't have the experience. And, but you obviously have to take that on and, and the learning curve is steep. And uh, yeah, to listen to you today, I, it's given me, I mean, I've spoken to you several times, but it's given me even greater insight into the work you're doing there as a company um, and getting the name out there. So uh, yeah, listen, thank you so much. Um, we'll obviously plug your LinkedIn. You're a great follower on LinkedIn. You do so much on there. You're networking you're, uh, and commenting and, and all the stuff you do. And listen, it's been great. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get this out live and, uh, and put it out there. Well, thanks for inviting me along. I enjoyed it.